You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. This podcast may discuss topics graphic in nature and possibly triggering to survivors. We value the safety and well-being of all of our listeners, so please practice personal discretion. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of the Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my but I'm walking with the dead. First and foremost, this week, we really want to give a big shout out and huge thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. You'll hear a little bit more about them in our ad break later on in the episode. We'd also like to thank Corey, Kira, and Shawnee for buying us some coffees on Buy Me a Coffee this week. Uh, we really appreciate the kind words and the support. If you too want to buy us some coffees, you can head over to buymeacoffee.com slash mdiariespod or hit the link in our Instagram bio. But enough of that stuff and let's get into the episode. Today's case is a listener request from OG Murder Diaries fan Kate who listens to the pod with her cute pup Baxter every single week. Thanks so much, Kate. We love you, Baxter. For our other listeners, if you have a case you'd like us to cover, feel free to reach out to us via email or DM us on Instagram. We're always happy to oblige. Today's case takes place in Burdenham, Pennsylvania, which is in central Lancaster County on the eastern edge of East Lampeter Township. According to the 2010 census, Burdenham has a population of 402. However, it's a popular tourist destination amongst the quote-unquote English, the term for non-Amish people. This is due to the large Amish and Mennonite communities in the area. In fact, a majority of the local businesses cater to tourists, offering horse and buggy rides and other things of that nature. Amongst the 402 people are the Stolfoots family. Linda Sue Stolfoots is the oldest of 10 children belonging to Lloyd and Susie Stolfoots. Lloyd's a shopkeeper and Susie's a homemaker. The other children include Sarah Ann, Anna May, Sadie Marie, Ada Ruth, Eli Kay, Stephen James, Susan Joy, Lloyd Andrew, and Luke Samuel. At the time of this case in 2020, Linda is 18 years old. And she was said to have strong family ties with her parents and her siblings. And she was truly rooted to her Amish faith and community. In fact, she tutored Amish children with learning disabilities and even worked as an assistant at the Durlock Parochial School. All in all, Linda is said to have been deeply content with her life. That takes us to Linda's disappearance. 
It all started on Father's Day, June 21st, 2020, a little more than a year ago. Dressed in her traditional Sunday attire, which included a tan dress, white apron, white cape, and that's really just something that was tied around her neck and covered her shoulders, and a black head covering, Linda and the rest of the Stolfoots family walked the familiar mile-long route from their family farm at 519 Beachdale Road in Burdenhand, Pennsylvania, to a neighboring farm in Stumptown Road for church services. Church ran from 9 a.m. to noon. And throughout the three-hour service, Linda is said to have been in good spirits. She was seen smiling and she even stayed after to help clean up and wash dishes with her friend Lillian. The two girls had plans to see the rest of their friends at a youth group meeting later in the afternoon at another nearby farm on South Croftdale Road in Leola. But Linda wasn't heading there directly. Instead, she wanted to change out of her church clothes and into something more comfortable, which makes sense. The youth group meeting was scheduled from 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. So Linda had a long day ahead of her. She also wanted to pick up a dessert she had made for the meeting. So sometime before 12.30 and 1 p.m., Linda bid farewell to Lillian before walking barefoot in the direction of her family farm, carrying her shoes and stockings in her arms. And that was the last time anyone saw Linda alive. When 11.30 p.m. rolled around and Linda hadn't arrived home from the youth group meeting, her parents began to worry. This was unlike Linda. They searched her room for any clues and everything appeared to be neat and tidy like it always was. Nothing was out of place. However, one thing stood out to her parents. They noticed that her church clothes, that tan dress, apron, cape, and black cap I mentioned earlier, they were missing, which suggested that she had never returned home after church that afternoon, meaning she had been missing for close to 12 hours at this point. Lloyd and Susie didn't waste a minute more. They immediately contacted their friends and family, hoping that someone anyone had seen Linda. However, they hit dead end after dead end. Nobody had seen or heard from Linda since church earlier in the day. And they soon learned from three of Linda's friends, Anna Baylor, Anna Stoltfus, no relation, it's a different spelling, and Kate King, that Linda never showed up for the youth meeting either. Now, this was completely out of character for Linda, who was known to be dependable and a girl in love with her community. But when she didn't show up, her friends figured that Linda may have been sick and therefore stayed home that afternoon. Remember, Linda and her friends didn't have cell phones. They weren't able to text each other and check in on one another as quickly as some of us have become accustomed to. Their assumptions were innocent. They figured Linda was sick, feeling under the weather, but they would catch her some other time. Little did they know they never had that opportunity. Time kept ticking by and the Stoltzfus family was frantic. They knew that something wasn't right. And now it had been more than 12 hours since anyone had seen Linda. At 2.23 a.m., Officer Nathan Westerman responded to the family home and began investigating. Monday morning rolled around and this is within hours of Linda being reported missing. Two local law enforcement agencies, East Lampeter Township Police and the Pennsylvania State Police, eventually the FBI and hundreds of community and fellow church members joined forces 
to search for Linda, who seemingly vanished into thin air. All in all, more than 2,300 people spent a collective 15,000 hours searching for Linda. Roads, woods, fields, houses, barns, and sheds were scoured. This is Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, Amish country. There is a lot of open land here. She could be anywhere. All right, I'm so glad you brought that up. But before I get into why I'm glad you brought it up, we need to cover what Linda's father, Lloyd, told authorities. Lloyd told them that he believed Linda traveled home along the same route she took to get to church. Her route was straight down Beachdale Road before turning on Stumptown Road. Or in this case, since she was heading home, she would have headed straight down Stumptown Road before turning right on Beachdale Road. He went on to tell investigators that Linda never cut across fields as a shortcut. He maintained that she would stick to the roadside. This is because she was wearing her Sunday best and she was actually barefoot, if you guys remember. Secondly, it would have been nearly impossible due to the Mill Creek running through the area. And for this reason, he believed that she most certainly stuck to the road on her way home. Of course, the investigators in this case did their due diligence and still looked into the fields and the surrounding areas. And that's why the searches involved dogs, radios, ATVs, drones, and ground-penetrating radar. Not to fail to mention that there were also boats and dive teams to search Mill Creek and the farmer ponds in the area. But every time, they turned up empty-handed. For a moment, just... I really want to emphasize what a brief and fleeting moment this was. But there were rumors that she might have taken a break from her job and gone for a trip. But anyone who knew Linda knew that that's not who she was. She would not have run off. She loved her family, her community. She was dedicated to them. And there was money left in her room. Her bank accounts went untouched. And she had big upcoming plans and a couple trips she was really looking forward to. All of those are indications of someone who's happy and content and not willingly going to leave and altogether abandon their life. So like I said, those rumors didn't last long, but I felt like it was something that we needed to include in her story. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now, and for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672, or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Meanwhile, the investigation continues. Law enforcement officers and the community hold out hope. But each day that passes is another day without Linda. The days bleed into one another, and soon it's been a week since Linda has disappeared. And it's on this day, June 29th, that two eyewitnesses come forward. A married couple named Sarah and Isaac Stolfutz. Again, no relation to Linda, just seems to be a common name with several spellings in the area. This couple had an intimate knowledge of the Amish community and faith. They came forward to tell the police about an unusual sighting they had on the day Linda disappeared. Sarah and Isaac recounted walking along Amish Road in Gap, Pennsylvania. 
this is a town close by, but still far enough away that Linda wouldn't have been able to walk to. They reported seeing an Amish woman in the passenger seat of a red sedan. There were three things that this couple noticed that were unusual about the woman in the red sedan. Number one, they observed the Amish woman to be wearing a white apron and a black head covering. In this particular area of Pennsylvania, Gap, Pennsylvania, the Amish don't wear black head coverings. So she knew that whoever this woman was wasn't from this particular area. Number two was the fact that this woman was riding in a vehicle while wearing her church clothes. Apparently, that's something that not necessarily is a no-no, but isn't done frequently. Right. Amish people don't typically ride in motor vehicles. They usually use horse and carriage or simply walk like Linda was walking that day. That's true. And the fact that this day was Sunday, the Sabbath, that they held holy. And the third thing that Sarah thought to be unusual about the sighting she had was she waved at the woman in the car. And this is an Amish tradition, and it's usually a respectful thing. You wave at someone, and they wave back. But the person in the vehicle didn't. And so that really stuck with her because it just, a lot of things weren't adding up about this encounter. Later on, she was shown a picture of Linda, and she believed that she could have been the woman in the car, but she wasn't sure. That same day, a third eyewitness came forward. This eyewitness was named Gideon King III. He also identified himself as a member of the Amish community, and so he was familiar with their culture and traditions. He too reported that on Father's Day of 2020, June 21st, between the hours of 12.15 and 1.30 p.m., he was traveling in his horse and carriage on Amish Road. And that's when he saw the same thing. He saw an Amish woman sitting in the passenger seat of a red sedan. And this struck him as odd because he knew that it was an unusual sighting for a a female to be traveling in a vehicle wearing her church clothing. He also noted that the women in the area he was from didn't wear black caps. And for those of you listening, I think it's really important to say that Gideon and Sarah and Isaac had no communication with each other whatsoever. They had no idea who the other was. And so they weren't making up this story together or, you know, inventing false memories together. These are two independent sightings that um, happened to come forward on the same day. We're going to fast forward again to July 8th, 2020. Another witness named Isaac, not the same one as before, But this Isaac comes forward and tells police about something unusual he witnessed the day Linda disappeared. Isaac was sitting on his porch, which is about 15 yards from Stumptown Road and not that far from Linda's church. He was sitting there watching traffic between 12.30 and 12.45. During this time period, he witnessed a red sedan drive past him traveling east, the direction away from Linda's church. Suddenly, that car turned around on Red Lane and paused for approximately one minute before traveling back the way it had just come. Isaac then described the driver as a white man with dark hair and a darker complexion, stating he possibly could have been of Hispanic descent. 
He also noted that the man was alone in the vehicle. And for those listening, to kind of put it in terms of the timeline, this would have been before the other Isaac and his wife, Sarah, saw the red sedan with a woman in the front. And this would have been before Gideon saw a woman in the front seat of the red sedan. With all of these eyewitness accounts, the police had a lot of information, but no real proof. Fortunately, someone out there in Amish country had surveillance cameras. A Beachdale Road resident security camera footage captured a red Kia Rio stop and a woman believed to be Linda approached that car the day she went missing. Investigators got the break that they needed in the case after this surveillance footage came to light. Eventually, they were able to identify the man driving the vehicle as Justo Smoker, a stranger to Linda and everyone really in that community. Kidnapping by a stranger is a crime so rare that it's happened fewer than 350 times nationwide between 2010 and 2017, according to FBI data compiled by the news outlet Reuters. It's really crazy to hear those numbers presented like that. Mm-hmm. And we know this guy's a stranger to Linda's community and that it's, thank goodness, pretty rare to be abducted by a stranger. Who was this guy then? I'm going to get into that right now. With a witness accounts, DNA testing, video surveillance, and the offender's cell phone records, they were able to determine that this man, Husto Smoker, was a suspect in the kidnapping. He was arrested on July 10th, 2020, and charged with kidnapping and false imprisonment. However, they weren't able to find Linda's body just yet. But like you wanted to know, who is Justo Smoker? He was 35 years old at the time. He was from Paradise Township. And he had actually been adopted by a Mennonite family with him and two of his siblings. He had been out of prison for 16 months before Linda's kidnapping. He was arrested and spent 12 years in jail for armed robbery that he had actually conducted with his younger brother at the ages of 18 and 20. Because of his arrest in Linda's kidnapping, he had technically violated his parole and therefore he would be undergoing trial for her kidnapping and for violating his parole. Husto pleaded guilty to third degree murder. In April of 2021, prosecutors agreed to a plea deal with him that would allow him to plead guilty to third-degree murder and other related charges, offering him a lesser sentence if he agreed to lead authorities to Linda's body. The plea agreement was signed in April, as I stated, and he then went on to tell investigators where he had buried Linda's body. It turns out that he had moved her from the the initial burial site to another place after he feared he would be found out. When an autopsy was performed, it was determined that Linda died of asphyxia as a result of strangulation. Officials said that a stab wound also played a role in Linda's death and Husto did admit to stabbing Linda in the neck to confirm she was deceased. Unfortunately, her remains were so far deteriorated that the coroner had to use dental records to positively identify her. A week after Linda's body was recovered and a total of 10 months after she went missing, 
the family was finally able to hold her funeral services. A gathering of 69 horse-drawn buggies and more than 100 people attended her funeral. And it was at a cemetery not far from where she was abducted. Roadblocks were temporarily put in place so the buggies could easily access the cemetery and the funeral concluded in under an hour. Judge David Ashworth, who was the judge presiding over the case, described Linda's murder as a senseless killing and contrary to all we hold dear in a civilized society. He then went on to urge the state parole board not to believe that Justo could be rehabilitated. He went on to say, Justo smokers should never be given the chance again to inflict pain and carnage to the community. But that didn't stop Justo from making his own remarks after the court proceedings. He became visibly emotional at times during the hearing, and he did apologize to Linda's family for taking her life. He said, and this is the quote, I was raised better than this. I know better than this. I was loved better than this. I'm sorry. I know Linda was a light. Because of me, the world is dimmer. And he went on to tell her family, all I can say is I'm sorry. While Linda's parents weren't in the courtroom, they did have a spokesperson for the family attend the hearing. This family spokesperson was named Samuel Blank, and he read a letter from her parents describing Linda as a caring teenager with a big heart. He went on to describe her death as leaving broken dreams and an event that sent fear through the Amish community. Samuel Blank said, it really felt like our community was violated. He went on to say that she wouldn't have an opportunity to court. She wouldn't be able to get married or even have children of her own. All in all, Husto Smoker cut a beautiful shining light short when he killed Linda Stolfoot. And that's where we'll be leaving it for this week. Until next week's episode, you know where to find us at the Murder Diaries pod on Instagram, at the Murder Diaries pod at gmail.com, and the Murder Diaries podcast.com. And if you haven't already, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us keep the good content flowing. Your five stars mean everything. And until then, stay safe. Bye. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.